We are in this series I just started last week, and I'm so excited about it. It's called the I Am series, or I Am Jesus. And so in the book of John, Jesus actually made seven statements where he said, I am, and then he followed that by a particular characteristic. And so those seven statements, I said this last week, but if you're trying to find out who Jesus is, maybe you came in today, you've never uh, surrendered your life to Jesus. You don't even know what that really means. Maybe you're watching online, you're thinking, what is that? Well, listen, if you want to know more about Jesus, the, the best place that you can find out more about Jesus is to hear from Jesus himself. And so in the book of John, the gospel of John, Jesus made seven statements where he said, I am, and then followed it with a characteristic. Last week, we talked about how Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and what that means and how, how precious, how amazing that it is that Jesus is our good shepherd, the one who lays his life down for his sheep. Then today I want to discuss another powerful I am statement from Jesus. And we're going to jump right in. We're going to go right to the book of John chapter 8 verse 12. He says this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many of you just by raising your hand were afraid of the dark when you were a kid? How many of you? Put your hands down. How many of you are still afraid of the dark? Raise your hand. Exactly. See, that happens in some of us. I imagine that if we're all honest at some point, many of us have been afraid of the dark. And I'm just going to kind of let something out here today and just be vulnerable with you guys. When Taylor and the kids are all gone and I'm the only one in the house, sometimes I have to leave the bathroom light on so that I can see whenever I get up because I'm a little bit, you know, who knows what's going to happen, that kind of scenario, right? God bless the kids in the room that just heard me say that. I apologize. But not uh, my son Lincoln, he's afraid. He's sitting back there in the back with Taylor. He is afraid of the dark like nobody's business. Listen, there always has to be a light on or he always has to be touching mommy or daddy. My daughter Elena, she ain't afraid of nothing. Let me tell you, she's not afraid of anything. She'd wallow a bear cat if she had to. I mean, that's just her. She's not afraid of anything. But just a little bit of light. If you have a completely dark room, just a small ounce of light changes everything. There's this little thing, we have a noisemaker in our room uh, that we sleep in at the house, uh, my, our, my, my wife's room, and we have this little noisemaker, it's just like an air purifier, but we really just use it to make noise so we can sleep, right? And so every night, Taylor likes to sleep in complete darkness. Well, I don't. I actually like to have a little bit of light so I can see around. And so every night, Taylor will go put a little sock over the numbers on the top. It's got a little digital um, uh, output on it. She'll put a sock over top of that digital output so that I can't see anything. And I'm like, no, honey, I have to get up and remove it because I have to see, right? Just a little bit of light. That little tiny digital output changes the entire landscape in the room. And I can barely see just a little bit of what's going on in the room. Check this out. The Bible, there's always this stark contrast between light and darkness. There's always this stark contrast. In the beginning, the Bible says that God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he separated it from the darkness. So he separated the light from the darkness. There's always this contrast, this stark contrast between light and darkness. All through the Bible, God is called the light. And then... Our enemy, our, our spiritual enemy, Satan, is called the prince of darkness. We have this thing going on all throughout the Bible where light and darkness are talked about in the same way or in the same, uh, the same sentences, but light and darkness are separated. Light and darkness. When Jesus was speaking to Saul in the book of Acts, he said this, Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes 
so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. He's saying, I need, I want them to turn from darkness to light. He's making this contrast between darkness and light yet again. When we see this contrast between darkness and light all throughout the Bible, and then Jesus makes this life-changing statement in the book of John. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably heard this statement before. I imagine that many of you have, but many people don't understand the context in which this I am statement that Jesus made was actually uh, said. The statement actually came after one of the greatest stories or grace-filled stories in all of Scripture. And this story is known as the, the woman caught in adultery, right? If you've, ever, if you've been in church before, you know this story. If you, if you have it or you don't know this story, you're getting ready to learn it. So what happens is right after this story of the woman caught in adultery, Jesus made his statement, I am the light of the world. So as we look at John chapter 8 and we see this statement from Jesus, I'm going to break it down into three parts, okay? Break it down into three parts. The law, the love, and the light. If you're taking notes or if you're not taking notes today, if you open up your phone, you open up the Bible app, go to events, search for Ridgepoint Church, all the notes for today are, are written there. So look at the Bible app, go to Ridgepoint Church under events, and you can see all the notes from today's message. The first thing that... that that we see in this particular story. First thing that we see in this story is that the law reveals our guilt. Can y'all say that with me? The law reveals our guilt. Can you say it like you're actually here in the room with me? The law reveals our guilt. That's just the way it works. Let's read the story together. John chapter 8 verse 2, he says this, At dawn, he, speaking of Jesus, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. So what's happening is that Jesus is gathering in the temple. He's in Jerusalem. He's gathering in the temple. And, and he, all these people are gathered around him and he's teaching them. And as this happens, the Bible goes on to say, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they brought in a woman who had been caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him or accusing Jesus. Can you just take a moment and think about this story and how humiliating this must have been for this woman? Like this was the lowest point in this woman's life, I imagine. Somehow, a Pharisee or two, these are the legalistic, self-righteous men. They caught a woman and a man. They were doing their thing, right? They caught them in the act of adultery. Here's a married guy. And somehow, I don't know, the story doesn't tell us how they found them, but the Bible says that they caught them in the act of adultery. Apparently, if you can just imagine for a moment, apparently the Pharisees burst in, drug the woman out, and, and the Bible doesn't say this, but I can use my imagination. Thank you. I can imagine that this woman came out with probably nothing on but a sheet wrapped around her. But just, just realize that for a moment, this was the most humiliating time, I imagine, in this woman's life. And here's the double standard. You notice there's nothing in this story about the man. 
Like they didn't talk about stoning the man, did they? But it was all about the woman. What a double standard. The guy isn't held accountable, only the woman. And they take this woman who is guilty, absolutely. She's guilty. I mean, there's no other way to put it. This woman's guilty. They take her. They drag her out. They drag her into the public and they humiliate her beyond description. No question, most dark-filled moment of humiliation in all of her life. And the Pharisees asked Jesus, what do you think we should do with her? The law of Moses says we should stone her. But what do you say, Jesus? They were trying to, to trap Jesus. They were trying to trap him. That's what the Pharisees were always doing. They were trying to trap him. They wanted to trap Jesus. If he said, yes, we should stone her, then Jesus loses his reputation for being loving, right? If Jesus says no, then he would be saying that it's okay to commit adultery and that it's okay to break the law of Moses. They wanted to trap Jesus so that they could discredit him and in front of all of his followers. But the law reveals our guilt. We live in a day and time that, that a lot of people don't want to admit their, admit their guilt. <laughs> we live in a day and time where folks just don't want to admit that. At, why am I saying that? <laughs> admit that they're guilty. We live in that day and time. If, if you came here today wanting to hear a feel-good message so that you leave today feeling encouraged about yourself, I want you to plug your ears for the next five minutes or so, okay? Check this out. We need to understand that in the eyes of a holy God, that you and I are not good. In the eyes of a holy God, you and I are not good people. We're sinful. We are, are horrible in the sight, in the eyes of a holy God, and we are guilty. We are guilty. It's important today that we understand that. Let me illustrate this for you. Let's go over a few of the Ten Commandments just for a moment. It's the law of Moses back in the Old Testament. We're going to illustrate this for you. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. And then if you want to be honest with me today, you raise your hand. Tell me the truth. Okay? I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Have you ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Awesome. You know what you are? You're a liar. We've all, we've all told lies. We have all told lies. Some of us probably a lot later than others. But, but we've all told lies. Have you ever stolen something? Raise your hand. Exactly. A lot of us. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Where are all of our golfers at? That's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's Eddie Rose? That's, sorry, I'm kidding. Anyway, um, I, you don't have to raise your hand on this one. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to raise your hand on this one. But the next question is, have you ever looked at someone other than your spouse lustfully? Don't raise your hand. We had a kid raise his hand. <laughs> Let's break this down really quick. Let's break this down. If you've lied, you're a what? Liar. Liar. <laughs> if you have stolen, you're what? A thief. If you have uh, taken the Lord's name in vain, that's called blasphemy. According to Jesus, if you've looked lustfully at a person, you've committed adultery in your heart. So you're an adulterer. Welcome to Ridgepoint Church, where we preach a good, feel-good message to everyone so you leave encouraged. Seriously, seriously, we're all sinners, and therefore we have all sinned, and therefore we are sinners. 
Why is it important that we know this? Why is it important that you understand this today? Here's, here's why. Why is it important that we admit that we're not good in the eyes of God? Because until we see ourselves as sinners, we will never see our need for a Savior. Amen? Amen? Until we see ourselves as sinners, we'll never or we won't see our need for a Savior. The law reveals our guilt and the law says that we are guilty. And there's nothing that you and I can do about that. There's nothing that you and I can do about our guilt. The law says that we, we are guilty. The law said this woman was guilty. There's no question she is guilty. But the good news is that the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end with her guilt. The second thing is this. The love reveals God's grace. Check out what Jesus does in response to the question from the Pharisees. John chapter 8 verse 6 says this. But Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. Now this is pretty cool. I don't know if you guys have read this story before, but Jesus bends down. The, the Pharisees are talking to Jesus. They're asking him these questions. They're trying to trap him. And Jesus bends down and he starts writing in the dirt. He's ignoring what the Pharisees are, are, are asking. And, and what's crazy about this, uh, we're asking ourselves a question, well, what's he writing? Well, the Bible doesn't necessarily say what he's writing. We don't know for sure, but there are a lot of scholars out there, um, and there's some evidence toward the fact that he actually wrote down the sins of the men that were accusing this woman. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? There are two words translated uh, in this particular scripture uh, as to write down. I'm sorry, there are two words that are translated as to write down in the English language, and, and the words are uh, graphene and catagraphene. Graphene means to write down, but the word used in this particular scripture is catagraphene, which means to write down a record against. And so there's some pretty good evidence here to say that Jesus was writing with his finger in the dirt or the sand <coughs> the sins of those men that were accusing this woman. Since Jesus is God in flesh, he obviously knew those sins. And so there's a lot of evidence to say that that's exactly what he was doing. The Bible goes on to say in verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, can you just picture this for a moment? As the Pharisees are trying to, to get him caught up in something here. Jesus straightens up, the Bible said, and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Can you just imagine how small he just made those Pharisees feel? Can you just imagine for a moment when Jesus says, huh, if you haven't sinned, go ahead and throw the first stone. It's interesting. Any of you, if you've never sinned before, make sure you're the first one to pick up a stone and throw it at her. He just crosses his arms. I'll wait. Can you just see that happening? Go ahead. I'll wait. I'll stand here as long as it takes. Anybody... That's never sinned before. Go ahead and throw the stone. Just interesting to me. These judgmental, arrogant guys, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they have the same problem that many of us have today. And that is that it's incredibly easy for us to see the sins in other people than to look in the mirror and see our own sins. It's, it's incredibly easy for us to say, gosh, you see the pastor today? Man, that was terrible. Do you see what he did, the way he talked to his kids? That's a, he's a mean guy. 
It's just incredibly easy to see the sins of other people and not see those when we look in the mirror. Just easy for us to pick apart other people. And man, haven't we been so good at that lately? Haven't we been so good at that? It's so interesting to me because we act like people who are famous or people that are on TV all the time or on the news that those people are not real people. It's like you can say whatever you want to about those people. It's not like they were made in the image of God or something. Interesting, isn't it? It's how we, we don't act like that at Ridgepoint Church. I'm just going to tell you straight up. We don't act like that at Ridgepoint Church. If you attend Ridgepoint Church and this is the place that you call home and you're out in public and you say, I go to Ridgepoint Church, let me tell you something. We value being real. We live real. That means we don't act like we have it all together. We don't show a front in front of people out in public and say, hey, look at me, I'm perfect. I go to church every Sunday, I read my Bible, so I never mess up. No, that's not us. That's just not us. We live real. It's one of our values. We admit our shortfalls. We admit our sins. We're honest about who we are so that God can change us and transform us. Because that's who we are. If we're not honest about who we are and we're not living real, we're not helping ourselves and we're definitely not helping a world of people that are far from God who think that we're hypocrites. That's all. When Jesus said this, check this out. When Jesus had said this, he stopped and he bent back down and he started writing in the dirt again. And he said this, <laughs> as at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing. Can you, you understand why the old people went first? They're probably thinking, I know what's happening here. I'm going to go ahead and leave. And they're just trying to get out of there. They're tucking their tails and running because they know, they know they've sinned. They know they've sinned. This woman, that Jesus and this woman, this sinful woman who was caught in the act of adultery were the only ones left. Just picture it in your mind. This woman who had just experienced the most humiliating time of her life, who was absolutely guilty, but was just standing there with Jesus alone at this point. All of her accusers had left. And check out what Jesus says to her. This is amazing. Jesus said this, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Can you see the grace in that? Can you see the grace in those words from Jesus? Look at that grace, broken and shamed, possibly the darkest moment of her life. And then she says, no, sir. No, sir. Then Jesus looked at this broken woman and he spoke the most grace-filled message that I can speak to you today. He said this, then neither do I condemn you. The most humiliating thing this woman had ever been through, was she guilty? Absolutely. Did she sin? Absolutely. Should she have been stoned in the law of Moses? Absolutely. But then Jesus, he goes on with this story. He says, anyone that hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. Everybody starts walking away because they know we're all sinners. And then he says to her, neither do I condemn you. There's something, there's just something, someone here today 
that's listening. There's someone that's watching online today that came here with some shame and agony over something that you did. You got some shame and some agony and some guilt over something that you've done. Or you've got some, some guilt or some shame and agony over something that someone thinks that you've done. Like you're dealing with something today. You've been feeling that shame and guilt and that judgment from people all around you. And here's what I want you to know today. If you are in Christ Jesus, you need to know today that there, are, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That's not my words. Those are Jesus' words. No condemnation. His grace changes everything. You are not what you did. You are not what people say that you are. You are not your past. You are not the bad decisions that you've made. And you are not what other people say that you, you are. You are who God says that you are. You are who God says that you are. And if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. Period. Period. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There is an accuser. The Bible talks about the accuser. His name's Satan. Revelation chapter 12 calls him the accuser. And he's going to hurl accusations at you. He's going to throw those babies at you all day, every day. And he's going to say to you something like, yeah, you're, you're terrible. You're a bad person. Everybody knows you're a bad person. You've done too much. God can't find you over here. You can't be saved. God's not going to save you. He doesn't even like you. God doesn't want you in his family. Nobody wants you. No one loves you. You really blew it this time. You said you were a Christian. Look at all those things that you did. That's not a Christian. You're a hypocrite. That's the accuser. That's, the accu That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the accuser. The voice of the Savior, the voice of God says, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness. Where are your accusers? That's the Savior. I'll send them away. And then he'll say, neither do I accuse you. For there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Whenever the accuser accuses you of your past, just remind him of his future. Amen? Amen. Remind him of his, of his future. You're, you're going down, Satan. That's all there is to it. You're going down. Like you may have a little power for a little while, but ultimately you lose. You're a loser. Darkness will never defeat the light. Amen? Darkness will never defeat the light. Now, was she guilty? Was the woman guilty? She was guilty. Did she deserve punishment? Absolutely. But because of his love, grace was revealed. What she deserved, she didn't get, praise God. And don't ever miss this. We are guilty. You and I, we are guilty. We're sinful people. We are guilty. We are incredibly sinful in the eyes of a holy God. Until we see ourselves as sinners, we will never see our need for a Savior. But the law reveals our guilt, but God's love reveals His grace. And He looks at this woman who's ashamed and, 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 and has been cast out by every person that she knows. And He says to her, where are they now? Neither do I condemn you. Jesus then says something so important to her, and it's the same thing that He says to you and I today. 
Verse 11, he says, go now and leave your life of sin. That's what he says. Go now, leave your life of sin. There's a sense of urgency to this. He says, go now, don't wait, go now. You can be free now. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. He says, go. And that same voice speaks to you today. You don't have to be locked in a dark world of lust or pornography or addiction, anger or gossiping or hate. He says, go now, leave it. I've already paid the price for you. Go now. Walk out of the darkness and into the light. You don't have to live there anymore. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Stop wallowing in your self-pity. Stop allowing the accuser to accuse you. When the light of the world is on the scene, darkness must flee. That's all there is to it. There's a sense of urgency. And the last thing I want to say as the worship folks come, the law reveals our guilt. The love reveals God's grace. And don't miss this one, folks. The light reveals our hope. The light reveals our hope. In verse 11, Jesus says, go now and leave your life of sin. I used to think that was a little bit preachy from Jesus. I used to think that that was a little bit preachy, but uh, Jesus is saying, don't do that. Just cut that out of your life. Turn around and go. But Jesus wasn't talking like that at all. And here's how I know that. Because the very next verse, the very next verse, he was encouraging her. He was encouraging her. He was saying, hey, you don't have to live in darkness anymore. You don't have to live there anymore. You can be different. You can come into the light. You can turn from the darkness. You don't have to hurt like you were hurting. You can be different. You don't have to live in shame and self-condemnation anymore or self-hatred. You can be different. Go now. Sin no more. Why? The very next verse says this. Verse 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. At that moment when Jesus was talking to this woman caught in adultery, he was no longer talking to her as just the light of the world. In that moment, in that very moment, Jesus became the light of her world. You see that? Jesus became the light of her world. You see, he made it personal to her. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus made it personal to her. And he became the light of her world. The very same way today in the grace and the presence of our good God, who is the light. When you personalize this message, it's no longer just the light of the world. Jesus became the becomes the light of your world no matter what you're going through darkness has to flee when Jesus is on the scene and get get this guys there's not enough darkness there's not enough darkness in this world there's not enough darkness in this entire world to put out even the smallest flame the smallest candle can you imagine Taylor brought home a, a little matchbook the other day had some matches in it a little tiny flame listen if this entire room went dark right now nothing around us and I flick that match a little tiny flame I guarantee you're going to be able to see my face I'm probably going to be able to see most of you because there's not enough darkness in the entire world to put out that little small flame the voice of Satan tells you you can't 
The voice of Satan tells you that you've done too much and you never will. That voice is silenced in the presence and the grace and the goodness of the one who says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. No matter how dark your world seems right now, Jesus is the light of the world. And he wants to be the light of your world. If you follow him, you will never walk in darkness. And in him, in him, there's grace, there's mercy, there's love, forgiveness. And most of all, there's no condemnation. Would you bow your head and pray with me right now? Father God, thank you for being the light of the world. God, thank you for being the light of my world. Thank you for being the light of my life. That God, when I make mistakes, and they are many, God. When I make mistakes, God, you're right there. And you're saying, just turn. Turn and walk into the light. There's no condemnation for you. When I died on the cross, I, I died for your forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today, as everyone continues to bow their heads, if you're here today or you're watching online right now and you want Jesus to be the light of your world, you're tired of walking in darkness. You're tired of wallowing in self-pity and, and anger and frustration, guilt and shame. You're tired of all those things and you're ready to, 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 to allow Jesus to be the light of your world so that you can turn from darkness and come into his light. That invitation is open to you today. If you're watching online right now, there's a little button at the bottom of the screen. If you're on church online, this is prayer. You want to pray with someone, there's someone there right now to pray with you. Just click that button. If you're on Facebook, send us a message. Someone's going to pray with you today. And if you're in this room right now, the altar is open. I'd love to pray with you today. I'd love to help you walk from the darkness into the light of Jesus today. He's ready. He's willing. He's already called you. He's already invited you. He is the light of the world. Today, he can be the light of your world. Would you stand? As the worship team continues to lead us in worship, I would invite you to come to the altar. I would invite you to reach out online. And let's pray together today.